Hello and welcome to the Book Lounge. Before we get started, I wanted to let you all know that we only have today's episode and next week's episode, and then we will be taking a break from the Book Insights podcast for the month of December. So, uh, but stay warm because we will be back in January. So that'll give you plenty of time to catch up on our uh, previous episodes. But uh, yeah, don't expect new ones from us in December while we take a little hibernation break. So yeah, and don't forget, there's so many that you can listen to for the existing ones. So. That's right. Yeah, you got months of worth of uh, titles to listen to. So be sure to do that. Um, if you are never, if you've never heard the book lounge before, um, welcome. Your hosts are myself, Corinne Ritchie. And me, Tom Butler-Bowden. Each week, our main event are the Book Insights episodes. Those are in-depth explorations of the best nonfiction books. But here in the Book Lounge, it's just an informal chat about the book of the week. Yeah, and uh, as the Insights curator, I'll give my take on each book and what I think the highlights are, why I think it's still relevant. Um, And all the books we look at, um, we choose them because we think they can advance your work or your life in some way or just make you think. Yep, and I will weigh in on the book, we'll rate it, and give you latest news about the author. So today we're talking about On Writing by Stephen King. Yes, um, and um, I was saying to Corinne just before we recorded that I was a bit late to the recording because I sort of lost track of time yeah. <laughs> reading the book again. Um, I, I liked it so much the first time. Um, and it's a really interesting one because you do get quite a lot of writers who sort of write books about, you know, the craft of writing and, uh, etc. And they're usually quite interesting and good. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're sort of dwarfed by all the other writers' books, their sales, etc. But this one is a little bit different um, because, as we can discuss, I think Stephen King originally started thinking about the book as, okay, I want to get down on paper um, how I write and what goes through my head because he's constantly asked questions like that um, at events and talks that he gives. But then um, something happened while he was writing it which turned the whole pro- whole project into something completely different. Yeah, I think it probably turned out for the better because of it. Absolutely. It did. Well, uh, as you probably know, he had this massive car accident or he was hit by a driver. So this it went from being a conventional sort of autobiography of a writing life to a book about life and death itself with sort of <laughs> how to write <laughs> woven through it. Um, Which is so perfectly so, Stephen King, of course. He writes about <laughs> death in almost all of his books, so it's just so fitting. Yeah, it, exactly. And I love this, this scene in the book where he's sitting by the right side of the road after the accident, sort of barely conscious, and the guy who's hit him is a bit of a weird character. It's got like a pickup truck and dogs, and he he feel he, and the thought that that flashes into Stephen's mind is. I've just almost been killed by a character from one of my books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what's the one his book about when he the writer stops by the side of the road and breaks down and one oh. of his fans 
Yeah. Um, one of his fa- it turns out that the woman who rescues him is one of his fans, but she's a very um, she's basically a psychopath who sort of never tries never to let him leave. Anyway, diversion. So <laughs> it gives you an idea of the the sort of interest factor um, of this book, and I mean. As a, as a, just in terms of the nuts and bolts bits of the book, he does have sections on that, which are highly interesting. Um, having written some books, I thought I knew something about writing, but when I read those sections, I thought, wow, um, you know, really sitting at the feet of the master uh, sort of thing. So many things I learned, which, which we can go on to. What did you think of the book, Corinne? Yeah, I, I I think it's amazing. I actually gifted this book to my father-in-law. He was writing his own autobiography and um, and and really getting into the process and you know the whole experience and everything. So I thought this was a perfect book for him because, I mean, a it's a fun read for anyone. It's it's gripping. Um, you know, hearing his life and times, and then of course his near death experience with this you know being hit by a car. It it's just a great read anyway. But if you are in the process of writing, I think it's super inspirational. I mean, the the passion that he has for writing is so palpable on every page. You can every time he's talking about the writing process, you can just feel his dedication and it, it just feels like um you're you're tapping into that which he is most passionate about in life and the way he talks about it just makes you want to like write an epic novel absolutely um and he he does have this chapter or is it a couple of chapters called the writer's toolbox mm. and um he he's very interesting because he's sort of almost anti I guess literary style or or intellectual writing for instance he's he's very against doing creative writing classes mm. um, he never writes for critics um, he's his audience he says is um, uh, you know people who not at all into literary style they just want something that fascinates them an idea or that, that resonates with them and that sort of um, transports them to somewhere else um, on paper that to get to that point you have to have a you know pretty literary style very um, descriptive and great words and stuff but this section of the book he's all about um, use words and grammar that the reader doesn't even notice their presence mm. so you know no cliches no no literary language short sentences that contain a noun and a verb yeah. Um, just basics that it's so easy, you know, to forget when you think of yourself as, you know, I'm going to write a great book. It's true. Well, and especially I think one of the things that more traditional writers would probably thumb their nose at is the speed at which Stephen King writes. And, you know, anyone mm. who's followed his career knows he's been churning out books rapidly his entire career they he has tons of them they just you know pumps them out and he talks about writing like six or seven clean pages every day two thousand words a day and i i think that's quite unusual like i don't think that is the normal like speed of most writers i think for them it is more like you described it's about literary style and making it perfect and flowery and beautiful and trying to write the next great novel and uh you know stephen king's like nope just get it done just crank them out 
Absolutely. Yeah, and um, I'll just mention three more sort of tips I got from him that I thought were brilliant. Um, one actually relates to what you say, I think. But he, he says perhaps the speed or his how prolific he is that he says the writer's building block is not the sentence, it's the paragraph. Mm. And so if you write paragraph by paragraph, you'll create a natural flow. Um, so that's sort of different to what I'd heard before about, you know, creative writing, how to write, etc. Um, he says all the great authors build their literary houses paragraph by paragraph. Another yeah. one is for fiction writing, forget about plots. Mm. Um, he says for him it's all about just creating a fascinating situation. He doesn't even think about the story and, and a couple of interesting characters and from that point, the story just almost writes itself, um, which is sort of obvious when you think about it, but perhaps you're not, not what you might get taught in creative writing school. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the other one that's, well, in non-fiction for sure, is the first draft of anything you write, cut 10% of it. Make yourself do it. Um, it it's hard, but you, you get a, a much better result. Yeah. One one of the tools that I really liked that he talked about was, um, like you said, with short sentences, very simple writing. There was this quote that says, in many cases, when a reader puts a story aside because it gets boring, the boredom arose because the writer grew enchanted with his powers of description and lost sight of his priority, which is to keep the ball rolling. And I, I, I'm mostly a nonfiction reader, but when I do read fiction, I feel like he really hit the nail on the head with why yeah. I give up on fiction sometimes is when it just gets so much about the place that I'm like, OK, I'm just going to skip some pages and find out what happens. Like, it's a beautiful yeah. place. That's great. I get it. Let's keep it moving. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I'm with you there. A lot of fiction, it almost seems like, OK, stop wasting my time. Right. I, I want to know what's happening it's it's too much about what's in the writer's head and not about the story itself. Mm -hmm. um, and he says when he's like teaching writing, some people come to him and say, you know, what should they write about? Seems like a, a pretty basic question. But he's, his answer is anything you like as long as you tell the truth, um, which is, again, a sort of obvious thing really. But so many writers, I guess, um, they're sort of imagining things or imagining how people would feel and this sort of doesn't have every great novel or piece of writing has a ring of truth to it mm. um, and that's just a simple bit of advice but you know so powerful yeah yeah definitely also I, I think his um, his motivational bits of the book I found really really um, inspiring and 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 just good for all of life, whether you're a writer or whatever you whatever your passion is. Um, you know, one of the quotes was amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. And I, I love to hear that because, you know, just like we've talked about in other book lounge episodes, um, some of these books make it sound like there are these, you know, genius types that it just comes easy for them and they just feel so inspired and they have no choice but to just emit greatness. And he's like, no, no, you can't wait for inspiration. You just you just do it. You just crank out the 2000 words a day. That's what you do. Yeah. And I think some of his um 
the volume of his work and the quality, um, he admits is, is due to fear. Um, mm. Fear of, of losing his, his gift or his, his voice. Um, financial fear that, you know, he could go back to the place where he, he was poor. Mm. Um, you know, fear of, of his um, confronting emotions. His writing became a sort of a drug in a way. Yeah. to sort of avoid stuff in, in his real life. Um, so all these things sort of fueled him. Um, and, you know, his, there, there's quite a few bits in the book about his issues with alcohol and drugs and his wife sort of pulling him, him back from the brink. Um, so he's, he's very candid about all of that. And, yeah. you know, he, he did beat it in the end, but it's, it's interesting, isn't it, reading Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. It's true. When he talked about being in such a, like, um, induced fog from all of the narcotics he was using while writing the, the book Cujo and then saying he has yeah. no recollection of writing that at all, that just is mind-blowing to me. I cannot imagine working on something like that and it being such a hit, a movie, a book, like all of that. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, I don't remember writing it. And just yeah, that is, that's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to go back in time a bit, um, when when he and his wife Tabby were young, um, to give you writers out there some inspiration, <laughs> um, she was working at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, he was writing stories for sort of, quote, men's magazines, um, sort of racy stuff and, and teaching English composition. They were living in a trailer, no phone. Um, and one day Tabby pulls a... Uh, a discarded story out of the trash, um, which proved to be Carrie, his mm. breakthrough, 1974. Um, anyway, he they sell the paperback rights, um, $400,000, and he, he works out immediately, um, it's the equivalent of 20 years of, of, uh, of working as a teacher um, at the time. So it's things like that, it's you get, um, these sort of insights into his life, very honest about how writing has totally changed him and given him so many gifts um, and how it's sort of his work and his life are sort of woven together in, in very interesting ways, which was sort of the theme of the book itself, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're uh, reading about his formative years. So he talks about being a child and his very first paid, we'll call it, writing gig of his mother paying him a quarter for these funny little um, cartoon stories that he would make for her. And uh, just reading about those early starts, it's just so interesting. And um, especially when you read his books and they're so horrible and in terms of the genre, like the horror and the gore and all of that. And then you just picture sweet little five-year-old Stephen King making these little books about animals. It's just so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he did start very early on. Like he worked out he could sell little versions of his stories in school for some money, the school magazine and that, you know, he had this power to shock people and shock teachers. Um, and that definitely stuck with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure he ever really explains why he's so into, like, 
horrible stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, um, the, the 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 sort of power of women in his life is is one of the themes of the book. Yeah. Um, his mother he talks about a lot, and then and then uh, Tabby and etc. And all all of that is also you know yet another dimension to the book. Yeah, that's it's a really sweet one. How he really credits the women in his life for saving his life numerous times. You know, his single mother raising him, and then his wife um, hosting an intervention in order to help him beat his addictions, um, and then I'm sure also you know nursing him back to health after he nearly died with this car accident. Um, yeah, he definitely gives tons of credit to to his wife and his mother, and it's just also very very sweet. Mm. Yeah, um, he is. Um, they've they've got a foundation now, I believe. They give away several million dollars mm. a year to like. He lives in Maine. Um, a lot of libraries, schools, arts organisations, mm. um, etc. Um, and uh, he, it's it's too long to list all his other other books right. um, and, and films, etc. I, I was just amazed. Like personally, I had. Really, I'd only like seen The Shining. Mm. I'd never read any of his novels, I don't think. So I sort of came at this from a, a different angle to most people. Um, but he, but the the way he he weaves in the story of his accident um, and his sort of relationship with the guy who hit him as well, the sort of aftermath of that, um, is all very fascinating particularly you won't give away the last bit of the book it's worth reading yourself yeah my my earliest memory of stephen king is actually the made for tv movie called the langoliers i don't know if you've heard oh. of this one no um, not yeah, I, so horror is not my genre. I, I, I have nightmares, so I avoid scary books. I, I won't watch it. I'm um, not, not going to do it. But as uh, I think I was in middle school, uh, on one of the major broadcast networks, there was this made-for-TV movie called The Langoliers by Stephen King. And I remember just watching the trailer and being fascinated because it's about um, it's about like the nature of time. So it didn't look scary to me. And, and it wasn't. It wasn't really a horror story as most of Stephen King's books are. It's not gory. There's no death and that kind of thing. It's um, it's sort of about time being a place and like the past being physically erased by these like monster things called Langoliers that sort of eat the past. But then what happens when people from the present accidentally go to the past as a place and now the monsters are coming to erase the past and uh, it mm. was it was really cool and so that was my first time being like oh okay well maybe Stephen King maybe I need to uh, see or read some of his other stuff yeah this is what I didn't know either I mean I did just think of him as like pure horror but mm -hmm. you know the films that come as a result of his work like Stand By Me, Shawshank mm. Redemption yeah um, uh, The Green Mile um, by the way Misery was that the one I was talking about oh, earlier. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's very versatile. I suspect that, you know, in time, his sort of um, his literary estimation will rise, sort of a similar way that, in you know, when, when the Bee Gees and ABBA in, in music 
were around, the critics absolutely trashed them and thought sure. they were so low. And now, you know, people write like PhDs on them and they're, they're sort of seen as timeless. So I suspect something like this will, will happen with at least some of um, Stephen King's uh, work. It's true. They have just really transcended time. I mean, he's been writing for decades, but people are still making new movies, new shows based on his works that are decades old. That It's not like they're just waiting for the newest one. He has a trove of works and they continue to be revived and remade and, and people still love them. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I love his, um, the sort of, I think it's the most quoted line in the book, which is, Books are a uniquely portable magic. Yeah. Um, the way that just some some black symbols on a page that can transport you somewhere else. Mm. Um, you know, I think those those few words just says it all, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he likens it to telepathy. Of I yeah. have something in my mind, I can put it in your mind, and writing is the means that I do that telepathy. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, um, I, I uh, as you gather, I, I'd give this a five for this book um, on sort of many levels. Um, and uh, I think just, just as a read, if, if you're not interested in, in the craft of writing, um, and you're, it, it's definitely worth reading um, just for the sort of story of, of what happens with his accident, etc., Yep, I will also give this one five out of five bookmarks. This one is is so fun, and this is now our third uh, biography or autobiography in a row we've done the last three weeks, and th- this is so my genre. I just love memoirs, autobiographies. I I think they're they're great, but uh, this one just hearing all these stories from the master storyteller himself it it keeps you on the edge of your seat um and and just feeling so inspired and motivated uh there's just so much to this book which is why i gifted it and why i highly recommend it so definitely five Mm. yeah um and is there any um what what's king's latest work or film um I mean, he's he's continually pumping out new stuff. Do we know? Yeah, that's right. So he's definitely got n- newer stuff in the works. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure what book he's working on right now. But I do know TV-wise, The Outsider has been his most recent huge hit. It was one of the most watched um, series on HBO. Uh, in, that was in 2017. That's what that was their most watched first year series since then. It was wow. 11 million viewers per episode for that Stephen King um, series. Mm. It Just like this week, it was announced that HBO is shopping it to other networks. Um, so it's not coming back to HBO, but hopefully that means it might be coming to, uh, I don't know, Netflix or Hulu or one of the other platforms soon. Uh, so that would be cool to check out. Mm. Um, Stephen King's also been in the news most recently as an outspoken, like anti-Trump person with the election that just happened. Um, he, you know, he he just, especially on his Twitter, he's got lots of adjectives and uh, pejoratives to say about the uh, about the president. Um, and pretty much since 2016, he has he has been saying, you know, that he almost predicted the Trump presidency in his 1979 book, The Dead Zone, and. Lots 
lots mm. of people are tweeting about that and talking about how the book has this fictional character named Greg Stilson, who's this like ruthless salesman who turns politician and ends up uh, winning the presidency. And he's very anti-establishment. He gets a huge public following. And so many people are like, how was this <laughs> written so long ago when it sounds so much like Trump? Um, yeah. And and since 2016, Stephen King has been saying, read this book. You'll know exactly how this turns out. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Amazing. Um, yeah, I think he, he talks about The Outsider in the book itself. And I, I wanted to, uh, to go read it. But I think I'll just um, watch that. Um, uh, instead, and mm. I want to read The Dead Zone now as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so um, this we've had a general chit-chat about, um, about on writing and, and how we feel about it, but um, do listen to the actual book insight um, and, and read the, the script of it on, on the website too because it, it goes into a lot more detail on the actual um, – King's background and and his sort of early years and also more on the actual story woven into the book um, to do to do with his ac- to do with his accent. So um, do make sure you listen to the book insight in on on writing as well. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the book lounge. Hope you enjoyed learning about on writing. Listen to the book insight and uh, we'll chat with you next week about our next book thank you yep join us next week